0: All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 371. Jason Lingren is with me and Dr. Bergman from the sunny state of California. Dr. Bergman has a website, a well, two websites that I'm looking at and a YouTube channel. When we post this live in the top comment, Rose will get these linked out to you if you want to visit his uh, online locations. Anyhow, welcome, Jason.
1: And a very fine good afternoon it is.
0: All right, so we're going to be talking about, well, I like the way Dr. Bergman put it, um, Voldemort, the name that cannot be mentioned. That's what we're going to be talking about. (laughs) Um, But anyhow, (laughs) I know, but but it kind of underlines the silliness of it all. We're going to open up with the idea of a hyphenated dis-ease or an adaptation to stress. And Dr. Bergman has in his notes that most dis-eases are of idiopathic or unknown cause because they are created or formed from stress. Anyhow, welcome, Dr. Bergman. Let's jump right in. Buddy, thank you so much for inviting me.
1: This is fantastic. We've got to get this information out there because people actually think that like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, inflammatory, those aren't diseases. Those are all adaptations. Because when you get that, uh, you know, the medical gods, the medical deities, saying, yes, you have this, you know, it's really, but we don't know what it's from. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you wouldn't have a car mechanic work on your car if he didn't know what the heck was wrong with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, case in point, right. But let's keep, let's clue some people. Well, first of all, we've heard this before, but why are you hyphenating disease? Hint, hint, hint. And uh, what does idiopathic mean?
1: Idiopathic is uh, kind of think root word idiot. It means the cause is unknown. And so that's when you get the religion of medicine, because that's exactly what it is. It's a belief system. It's not an actual fact. So any therapy that doesn't address the underlying cause that's only designed to treat the symptoms uh, is, is disastrous results for humans.
0: So, so basically, if I follow the few words we put down here, a thing like high blood pressure could actually be better described as a symptom, maybe?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's how I've got to walk people through it and it, because they're convinced by the religion of medicine where somebody comes in you know that the high priest he looks at the blood test and you know pronounces yes you have high blood pressure and and I'll talk to people and I'll say look would do you want to check your blood pressure when you're bike riding uh or when you're when you're jogging or things like that and they'll say oh no no it'll go up oh so what you're telling me is that blood pressure will go up and down depending on the need and and they'll say yes I, I, okay so how could it just be high blood has has a job it has to be efficient it carries oxygen it balances out ph it, it's uh vital to the immune system whoops uh, to to <laughs> your your defense yeah immune systems it's not um it's vital to your adaptation to the environment how's that that would be better <laughs>
0: Because let's just qualify it. I know everyone's listening. Uh, we all recognize <laughs> that there is no system we can identify called the immune system, but we're kind of stuck with English and bad habits at the moment. Yes, yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I, and I, I use a couple of quotes from some uh, professors of immunology, and we can't say that because that's a course, and they say they don't know how it works. Okay, because there's no way to measure it, to quantify it. And what I'll, I'll say what I'm talking about, say, the common cold, um, and not the Voldemort virus, okay, but any type of pathogen or uh, response to the environmental stimuli. Oh, my God, that was so politically correct. Um, <laughs> you know, like a fever or swelling or mucus production or coughing. You know, if you ever want to clear on an elevator, start, start coughing in 2021. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> okay, look, you know, I got a six sense of humor. So, so if, you, if you look at those responses, has a fever is your first thing. I mean, pathogens die at higher temperatures. This is the body's response to those pathogens. And that is, is in every organ, in every tissue, in, I mean, virtually every cell. Your body has a resistance or an adaptation it's like 45% of your DNA is viral. Okay. And that's, it's from other origins. So, so we're designed to live here and to process these pathogens. And if you're um, in a physically, chemically, or emotionally stressed state, your adaptation won't be healthy. It won't be a good response. That's why we say the cure for the common cold is actually the common cold you got to go through, you got to develop histamines, you got to develop um, mucus production, you've got to develop a fever. And if you go through those processes, you have a recognition of that pathogen for future exposures. So I've got a crazy proposal here. If there were some quote-unquote dreaded disease affecting all of humanity, the world over, would it make sense to just let people get it and then let them get over it? Um, it? That that would be like common sense. Uh, and, you, you know, if you look at, like, let's look at back, way back in history, okay, uh, before the um, measles vaccine was invented, there were about 4 million cases of measles in the U.S. every year, and about 400 people died. So if you're using your logic, which I totally agree with, Okay. Wouldn't you look at those 400 people and say, wow, what was going on with them? Were they did the nutrient deficiencies? Did they have uh, secondary comorbid conditions, you know, or would you just want to shoot every 4 million persons there or, you know, the, I think 15 million kids, um, with that shot. Whereas when I was raised, we had chicken pox and measles parties, where you would go over there and it's like, oh, my gosh, let's go in. You know, you'll have red dots for a little bit. You'll be sick for a little bit. and you got lifetime immunity. I, I mean, literally, my, my sisters told me I gave that I was passed around the neighborhood when I had chicken
0: pox when I was like five. I, I was, too. That <laughs> oh. was that used to be a common thing. Um, because the children that hadn't had it needed to get it so they could get over it. People have no idea, but let's let's just do our due diligence so that I don't have to waste my time in the comments section. But do we agree that viruses don't exist as described? So if the word viral or something comes into this conversation, we can set the controversy aside. First off, do we agree? Absolutely. Secondarily, Absolutely. Can, can, well, I, I've actually made Crow's second law, to try to address this problem with theories the religion of scientism has had. Can we agree that germ theory is unprovable?
1: That's what they call it. A theory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, if this has gotten so bad that I sat down the other day and I created my second law, my first had to do with everyone wanted to see UFOs all the time. This one is my law of theory. Any theory that remains unproven for years is a speculation of diminishing value and will therefore tend to be applied as propaganda in support of scientism. How's that for a mouthful? I like that. Oh my god, you, you got your are master of political correctness. Oh, let me <laughs> l- let me get let me get into my UFO one. <laughs> when I was trying to convince people that greys were not anally probing, I had to come up with my law of high definition. But anyhow, let's uh, let's not leave the 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 path here. So I want to try to draw a line. Uh, we've had a lot of people on that will make the statement, all disease starts with inflammation, but you're kind of saying the same thing in a different way. You're saying stress. So where you're putting stress, could we almost imply inflammation as part of stress? Well, kind of Inflammation's a healing process of the body. So you have to have some kind of tissue
1: uh, damage to release the histamines to allow inflammation to occur. So, you know, anytime you scratch yourself or cut yourself or strain yourself, tissue could be broken or damaged. And then that releases histamines and that's part of the inflammation cascade. So what we're looking at now, local inflammation is a healing process. Systemic inflammation is, could be damaging and that can kill people. So it's how your body processes that healing process of inflammation. So it's not that inflammation is attacking the body. Um you know, although that's what it's kind of like. It's just people now have so much damage to so many different areas. And then, you know, they say, oh, it's the inflammation, that's why you have joint pain. It's the inflammation, that's why you have the bowel disorder, it's the inflammation, that's why you have the autism, okay, in the brain. Uh no, there has to be tissue damage first. And and when you're talking about viruses, um, a few years ago, Stefan Lanka, I mean, literally offered a hundred thousand euro reward for anyone that could prove that measles exists and that prove that measles causes measles. And the Koch Institute, I mean, this would, for the German Supreme Court, they couldn't prove it, but you still have those dyed in the wools that, oh yeah, germs cause disease. Get me the Purell.
0: This is the theory problem all over again.
1: The there theory. used to
0: be a time in our world when intelligent men and women looked for proofs that could be demonstrated over and over. Like when we got our laws of thermodynamics, that's a good example. But then uh, we get the Big Bang Theory, which violates those laws. And the Big Bang Theory is what's written in every textbook, as far as I know. And this is one of the big problems. But this this is a good segue into the idea of the difference between medication and solutions. And I'm hoping as we get into solutions, we might drop a couple golden nuggets like Gerson or hydrogen, these types of things. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Gerson was, is brilliant because their approach to cancers or chronic diseases, okay, is not to fight the disease. Their approach is to strengthen the body by literally uh, detoxing, uh, getting nutrients in the system. So they're building the body's infrastructure. They're dealing effectively with the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors that that person is there. Tumors are not formed out of the air. The body formed that tumor to wall off something, to wall off toxins. And, and that's why I, they go in to strengthen the body's processes. like they'll do carrot juice or enzymes or, you know, anything to the soluble fibers. The carrot juice turns into beta carotene, which strengthens the lungs. And the lungs are one of the best blood filters. You know, it's, it's literally a way to detox the system. I mean, they do everything to strengthen the body's natural processes on, on how to deal with pathogens or toxins. And that makes sense.
0: Well, and an actual strengthening of immunity, which is still a bit of a misnomer, but I don't know if you've heard this, Dr. Bergman, but there was one juicer that started it all that was Gerson approved called Norwalk Mm -hmm. cure got redesigned. Um, it made it a little easier to purchase. I think the price was a little better. Did you hear that after 87 years, uh, Valdemortius ridiculousness uh, put put Norwalk out of business? So Norwalk juicers are no more after 87 years. The only Gerson approved juicer left is pure as far as I know. You're kidding. I didn't know that. When, when did that happen? I got a note because I had I could never afford a Norwalk back in the day. So I got one from like the fifties. It weighed like 75 pounds and somehow I'd gotten into their system because I, I guess I got parts or something, but one day I'm sitting here and I got, oh no, that's not right. Pure. Cause I bought a pure juicer in the last few years. Pure announced their regret that, uh, their competitor Norwalk had gone out of business 87 years. And, uh, so pure is announcing what everyone is. So I'm looking at telescopes. The price of telescopes just went up something like 15 to 30%. The pure juicer. The reason is, is because all the supply chains are breaking and all the cost of materials has gone up. But of course, a year of sitting in your closet, twiddling your thumbs, uh, took the Norwalk juicers out of business. And they, and of course, the price was about to go up and they were already on the rails. (laughs) God, it's incredible.
1: I mean, when you're in a stress state and people with those disease processes are extremely stressed. Your body gets in this sympathetic dominant state, and we've got an automatic nervous system that governs all of how you process nutrients. One part keeps you alive under stress, and that's the sympathetic or fight or flight. The other part, rest, digest, and repair is the parasympathetic nervous system. And these are actual systems. Now, I uh, taught human dissection for eight years, so I could literally physically show you where the parasympathetic nervous system is. You could touch it. It's there. So, and you're only alive, you're only alive because you're able to break proteins to amino acids, fats to fatty acids, and carbohydrates to usable sugars. And that's one of the brilliant things that juicing does is it pre-digests it. So these people are in a stress state and, and they can't get the raw materials to build their body healthy or to have the um, processes to deal with pathogens or toxins.
0: So the next thing we have on the hit list is close to to my living concerns right now. I take care of my 90 year old mother. She's supposedly, well, she has dementia. They call it Alzheimer's and she has loss of muscle control that they call Parkinson's. So this is in your, in your list of things to cover. Let's talk. I mean, and this is epidemic. When I was a young lad in the seventies, There was a whole generation from World War II that were getting older, my grandparents included. I did not see a single person in this entire area that I live lose their marbles or their motor skills uh, as they were going out the door. I did see cancers. We did see that back then. But now everyone that I'm aware of has one or the other, if not both of these things. So why is it epidemic and what can be done about it?
1: One of the major causes of dementia, Alzheimer's, and, you know, going back to the same three stressors, physical, chemical, emotional, when, as you age, your blood pressure has to increase because you have elastic tissue in the arteries and, you know, how blood pressure is measured. Systolic is the first number. Diastolic is the second number. And, and as you age, naturally the systolic gets higher. It has to. And this is adapting because as you age, your digestive processes get a little bit less. It's hard to get the amino acids from the foods. You masticate food or chew it up a little bit less. You know, you you don't have the right raw materials. And that's why some people wrinkle um, because they're not getting the raw materials to build healthy skin or to build that collagen. Now, if you go to the medical system now, they're going to say, oh my God, you've got high blood pressure. So they reduce the oxygen. And this, the way I explain it to patients is you're taking a drug that sl- lowers your blood pressure. And this, does this help oxygen of the brain or does it slow it down? And so, <laughs> cause you got to, they're, they're practicing the religion of medicine. And before they came out with a chemical to alter cholesterol, Knowing that cholesterol is the precursor of just about every hormone you make. every glucocorticosteroid, mineralocorticosteroid, and sex hormones made out of cholesterol. 50 percent of your overall weight of your brain is cholesterol. Before they came out with a drug, a normal female cholesterol, if there were over 50 were 250 to 350. Those were normal because they knew that that's that was necessary to rebuild a healthy body. and then, you're looking at the rampant over medication. The average person over 60 has taken 12 different prescriptions and those prescriptions don't help metabolic process. They don't help you're breaking down the nutrients or rebuilding a cells. So we have a chemical assault and then you get the chemical assault of the food. And I'll, I'll tell, you know, the standard patient, I'll say, look at your great grandparents. Okay. They lived over hundred and were healthy you know, or lived to over 90 and were healthy. And they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they ate nothing but organic whole food seasonal. They were obsessive about it. And then they'll laugh and they'll say, yeah, well, that's the only kind of food available. So now we've got toxins in the food that destroy your gut flora. I mean, if you're eating standard white bread um, or standard bread products, it's been sprayed with this herbicide called glyphosate, and that's a mineral chelator and a natural antibiotic. So it destroys your gut flora. And that's where 80% of your adaptive capability to pathogens in the environment. Okay. So I just said the immune system without saying the immune system. (laughs) (laughs) If you
0: know what I mean. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you, since you cut so many bottom bodies open, where is the immune system? But I guess the, the whole body is that. The whole body is that. And that's why you
1: got to look at the whole thing. They call it holistic, but it's just common sense. So you look at Parkinson's, look at, look at the shaking. That shaking is generating a stimulus up to the brain. Okay. And any kind of, anytime you move a joint, okay. And each joint has these little sensors on it, the parallel mechanoreceptors. And that sends signals up through the spine into the small brain in the back called the cerebellum. And then that stimulates the the movement centers or the, it it literally is movement is a nutrient to the brain. And so one of the ways that we, you know, help Parkinson's patients is to do symmetrical movement. You treat it like it's a stroke and everyone's heard of people that have had a stroke or part of their brain, you know, got damaged or had low oxygen and they lose speech or they lose motor control, but then they can gain it back because the brain has the ability called neuroplasticity. To you get the right stimulus up to that brain, bam, you know, the brain will start to generate new neurons
0: or new neuronal connections. Think about the 50 billion Chinese doing Tai Chi on the tail of what you just said. Absolutely. Movement, every joint, every day gets
1: that stimulus. And we have a society that is, is severely movement uh, de- deficient and movement is a nutrient. And then if you have something that's wiping out your digestive process, because without, you know, just looking at glyphosates, you know, or the the herbicide, if you know that you, without minerals, you can't utilize vitamins and, and you need acid in the stomach to absorb minerals. And how many people are taking an antacid or Nexium, even though we know that that causes cardiovascular damage. Okay. So you get this drugged sick population with nutrient deficiency, then you're going to have your brain, which is super hungry. I mean, this thing burns, it's, it's about two to three pounds, and it burns 30% of your body's calories, you know, 90% of the body's oxygen. I mean, this little brain is so hungry. So if you're nutrient deficient, movement deficient, and toxified, that brain is going to show up and you're going to have, you know, poor um, responses. And, and this is how we deal with patients with dementia and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Um, we find out why we're taking the drugs, okay, and I show them how to uh, get the blood healthy because we do blood analysis at both of our clinics, one in Mexico and one in Huntington Beach. And you can see the blood under stress. The cells, they're, they're not separate, beautiful red blood cells hundred percent of these people, they have been clumping together an aggregation of the blood cells. So it can't hold oxygen. So that's going to be one problem. Then we're going to see these cells called target cells, which is mineral deficiencies or hemoglobin deficiencies, but it's really all the minerals because you need, I mean, at least 125 different minerals. Uh, and if you're stressed state, you produce less stomach acid, so you can't get them. So even if you're taking a mineral supplement, you're not able to get the absorption. So these people are nutrient deficient, they're poisoned because they're going to a medical system that isn't aware that blood pressure literally goes up as we age naturally. They're not, they're not asking these people, how's your sleep pattern? So their sleep patterns are horrible. They're getting up multiple times during the night. Like you're not going to find somebody with Parkinson's, dementia, Alzheimer's, or cancer that says, man, I slept so good last night. Or I had three healthy bowel movements today. I feel amazing. You know, no, these people are in the greatest stress and they're presenting, they're adapting as best as they can. Uh, But unless somebody addresses the underlying issues, it progresses. And that's what we're seeing, a sick, drugged, um, nutrient deficient
0: uh, population. And that's the end result. So this is a catch-22 From my standpoint, I'm aware of how to detox with things like Gerson, but my problem is my mother's 90. So actually trying to implement that becomes a whole other thing. But we've had guests that that came on and they started right where you did, pointing out how much fat makes up a human brain. We had a guest on, I think it was Clive, said, if you took a human brain at 80, put it on the table, desiccated it, you'd have a load of fat there. Um, And he started pointing out... It exactly what you hinted at, that we totally mistreat and misuse fat. One of the things I did to try to help my mother, and I did see improvement, was to introduce um, organic pure coconut butter and things like that into tea and other things. But what else? I mean, for, for someone who's at an age, which a lot of these people are, we doing coffee enemas or other things, trying to detox them is not going to be that doable. What would be some of the treatments that you think have promise right now? for alzheimer's and or parkinson's
1: number 1 is uh, nasal diaphragmatic breathing okay and and this is uh, universally not not practiced now when you breathe in through the nose your your body creates nitric oxide and that opens up the blood vessels or vasodilates and it it literally helps the uh, bronchodilate so it opens up the lung tissue Now, when you breathe, and you could look at at anybody, just say, hey, take a deep breath. Their chest goes up and their tummy goes in. And that's completely horrible because they're only using the top third of their lung surface area in order to get oxygen. So to teach someone to diaphragmatically nasal breathe, okay, I'll I'll say, put your hand on your tummy. Now I'm going to punch you in the stomach. And you've got to visualize that because if somebody punches you in the stomach, air is going to come out, right? So I'll, I'll say on three, one, two, three, and I'll push their stomach in. The air comes out. Now, when you breathe in, fill your tummy up with air and the tummy comes out. Then you push the stomach in. Then when they blow out, then you breathe in through the nose and filling up the tummy with air. Universally within two to three breaths, people are feeling dizzy because they're not used to that much oxygen. Then they're using the bottom two thirds, which is the greater surface area of their, of their lungs. So they're getting a good, oxygen, carbon dioxide transfer. That's fantastic. Oh, if you want to make it worse, you give them a mask. But, you know, just, <laughs> just of universally stupid. Okay, so just getting to breathe is one thing. And then knowing neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. Okay, you got to have a healthy gut flora. So get them on probiotics, get them on bacteria-containing foods, fermented foods. The healthy fats are essential. Essential because you need the fatty acids from the fats, you need the the you know usable sugars from the carbohydrates, you need the amino acids from the proteins. So get her on some juicing and blending too. Add a little bit of plant proteins in with her smoothies and change her sleep patterns. That's going to be huge. And we we you recommend to our patients sleep restriction therapy, where you literally understand how sleep is, and sleep is when your body regenerates. So just breathing is number one, digestive track is number two, sleep is number three, and then symmetrical movements. Okay. You know, when you're, what we'll do is we'll put people on like a bench and say the average human, if they're over 120, 130 pounds up to however, put a 10 pound weight on each leg and have them dangle their legs, just dangle it. So it's not a muscle exercise, it's ligamentous-based exercise. And we'll have them dangle their legs and just like tap a back of a chair or a trash can with their toes so they can keep a decent rhythm. That gets both halves of their brain to fire off correctly. And to get that little bit of stimulus or get them to walk symmetrically, which is so hard to do, but get them barefoot walking in the grass so they get massive amounts of stimulus. Um, it, it's, there's so many things that you could do just that alone and then teach them how to diaphragmatically breathe 10 minutes before they check their blood pressure. And they'll find out that, oh my God, the blood pressure is good. Okay. Then, then they have to talk to the, um, medical deity that gave them the chemical to lower their oxygen to their brain. What, what would be called beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, diuretics, you know, blood pressure drugs, get them, uh, to measure their blood pressure correctly by diaphragmatic breathing 10 minutes before they take it, then
0: they can have a good conversation and say, Hey, look, it looks like I don't need this. Well, the, uh, veterans administration had put me on high blood pressure medication, uh, when I was in my late thirties. And at the time I forced them to cut down Uh, the milligrams they were giving me. And within, I don't know, I think maybe seven years, eight years, maybe I realized, um, and I quit taking it. And here I am, I'm going to be 59 this year. Uh, I'm fine. And by the way, with the diet and the way I live, it's fine. But you said some interesting things there because we've been covering hydrogen, which is coming back to prominence. But what I noticed is when I put the nose breather tube To breathe hydrogen gas, you do the correct way of breathing. Your stomach goes out with your lungs, which I learned from meditation. But what I also learned and knew before I had the hydrogen is like if you lay down in bed at night, the average person, and you just slowly fill your lungs up until you can't get any more in and you do that about 10 times, you actually wake up feeling better. And the hydrogen machines, I think, are inducing this. And when I put my mom on hydrogen within 20 minutes, it was not present to present. It was that stark a difference.
1: Isn't that crazy? I mean, when you say, what's the best approach for dementia, Alzheimer's, or Parkinson's? And number one, I say breathing.
0: (laughs) You know it's the, it's the subtle truth. We're just we're so gross, you know. Everything in our culture is gross, in your face, um, loud, big, bombastic, um, and it's these subtle things. You know, we still watch TV where all the old Chinese folk are out in the park doing tai chi, and we laugh at that. But it's the real deal, isn't it?
1: It's the real deal. Movement every day. When you when you there's a book called The Blue Zones where people around the world consistently live healthy over hundred. They don't turn in a gym, but they always move every day they do eat seasonal organic i mean the, the pattern's there we just got to follow it and they're they're not taking massive amounts of medications to alter their adaptations or to alter their stress level they're moving every day they're sleeping every day hell 20% of them still smoke you know <laughs> i'm not saying smoking will make it live over 100 but you know it's they're able to deal with that toxic assault As long as they have healthy movement, healthy food, healthy nutrients, healthy sleep, and and you you reintroduce that to people with dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's, and then the body can adapt and rebuild itself.
0: You know, it's ironic because uh, so many of the medical professionals are on the fence to say the least, because they've been pressured into taking the jab. They're being forced to show up like the visiting nurses with masks on. I greet every one of them at the door and say, please breathe oxygen when you're here, but do whatever you're comfortable with. Um, And what's going on is they saw this big improvement with my mom and I had backed her off what the geriatric doctor had given her, and they asked how I how I was doing it, and I showed them. You know, I introduced fats, I did this. We've done the hydrogen. There's certain things that we've done which are pretty basic, and they're beside themselves. But this is how bad it's gotten. I have to inform them, and I'm I'm friends with all the nurses that come, the head nurse particularly, uh, who actually lives in my neighborhood. Luckily, uh, that that does not go in my mom's chart because if the religious priests hear about things like this, it becomes a major issue quicker than you can, you know, even imagine.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's a crime. It's called elder abuse. Right. If you're going against the medical deities, I mean it's like insane. Insane. Common sense is not common. And it's it's severely lacked in in the science world. Where we should look at how the body is actually functioning. Okay. What's the function? Okay. This isn't a disease attacking the patient. You know, that's idiopathic origin, you know, root word idiot. They don't know, but we're going to keep doing the same stupid protocols and ending up with the same results. That is insane. And literally, it is literally doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. And they are causing this epidemic.
0: I think we actually learned that from a cartoon. Isn't that an Einstein thing?
1: I I think so. I think so. So
0: so that little piece of wisdom, which holds its water came from a cartoon character from my point of view, but Jason, where are we on the clock? I want to get to the Voldemort virus, which by the way, we could just call code word 44. Get it. Uh, Okay. (laughs) How much do we have in in the hour?
1: We are at 33.
0: We got a ways to go. Um, (laughs) So we're talking about the (laughs) Voldemort virus at 33 minutes. Um, The gods are smiling. We'll have to wait to kill Horcruxes till next hour. Yeah. We're going to have to figure out a way to destroy those things. (laughs) All right. What do you want to add in? We've got, you know, roughly 25, 30 minutes in hour one. I'm going Mm -hmm. to push off all the Voldemort nonsense to hour two, just because it's
1: prudent. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the things that's, I've had to divide my health talks up into the, what the ministry of truth will go along with and what um, the real actual facts and data. And that's the tough part because we can't really talk about um, masking or any of that stuff in this hour.
0: <laughs> well, well, let's jump. Let's let's get some of the ones near near the bottom. Let's talk about antibiotics, probiotics, leaky gut. You know how many people I know with Crohn's disease, which they've been informed, you got it, and it's yours for life. We The, the episode that went live today, The Fermenting Fairy, or Lauren Monez, uh, cured herself with firm, good, crafted, fermented food. She was told she had Crohn's and she was going to die with Crohn's. She's been free of Crohn's for seven years. So let's talk about some of these things.
1: Is it really a disease? I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's it, it, it got me married. Okay, so I met this sweet girl who had ulcerative colitis, and I said, hey, we can fix that. And she was told by her doctors that, again, you're going to get it. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. you got to be taking these steroids and antibiotics for forever, which destroys the normal gut flora and weakens your body's immune system response. So when we look at the digestive tract, we have an automatic nervous system. One part keeps you alive under stress. That's sympathetic. And that's triggered by physical, chemical, and emotional stress. That instantly decreases blood supply to the gut. And that decreases gastric motility. That's one thing. So stress is decreasing the the gastrointestinal tract, nerve supply, and blood supply. The blood literally goes from the digestive tract to the arms and legs so you can run away from danger. And the problem is the chronic stress that we're under decreases how your body can regenerate itself. And this is the the digestive tract. you got to take in nutrients, break those nutrients down, assimilate the nutrients, and rebuild your body. You're a tissue-producing machine. And anything that negatively affects digestion is going to negatively affect how you adapt to this planet. And so the reason we're seeing such a massive rise in inflammatory bowel disorders, because if you have one person says, well, Crohn's is totally different than ulcerative colitis. No, it's just different areas of the intestinal tract affected, but it's, you don't decrease inflammation. I'll tell people, look, put a, put a hot water bottle wrapped in a wet towel over your tummy. We want to increase inflammation. We can see a leaky gut, which is called by the the medical establishment, increased intestinal permeability. (laughs) And they, yeah, I know leaky gut. Doesn't exist, but the intestinal tract will, you know, leaches out. and And if you look at it, Aboriginal cultures had thirty thousand different um, types of bacteria, funguses, yeast, parasites in their gut, in their intestinal tract. We're living in a hyper clean environment where the food is processed, and metabolic and digestive enzymes are taken out of it, so it can have a longer shelf life, which means. If you're not getting enzymes in the foods from whole food, organic, naturally produced, mineral-rich foods, um, you're going to be damaged. So let's say you're just eating non-organic bread. That's going to decrease the gut flora. If you're taking any kind of medications, any kind of medications, and I'm talking Advil, Motrin, Aleve, the -the over-the-counter stuff that decreases the gut flora. And the gut flora is where neurotransmitters are produced, vitamins are produced, everything. But that allows molds and funguses and yeast, and yeast develop these hyphae that bore holes in the intestinal tract. So then you get undigested um, proteins. And when a protein hits the bloodstream that's not tempered by digestion, The immune system, the the body's response to that, to see an, an undigested protein floating around in the bloodstream is to mount antibodies towards it. And if you're taking gluten and dairy, those antibodies can negatively affect the thyroid. And just like you have an automatic nervous system, one part keeps you alive under stress. The other part regenerates tissue. Your thyroid and adrenal glands work in harmony as well. So when you're in a stressed inflammatory state, the adrenal glands are going to produce cortisol, which is a fantastic anti-inflammatory, okay? But it's also going to suppress thyroid function. So that's where you get Hashimoto's. Um, Hashimoto's is not hyper, it's not hypo, it's both. So when the antibody production is up, the thyroid will appear low. When antiproduction antibody production is down, the, the thyroid will bounce back. And then people are continually taking levothyroxine, which is T4. I mean, it's not really a thyroid hormone. Some organs recognize it; some don't. But it's ultimately going down to that gut, and we get these people on you know gluten-free, dairy-free diet to decrease that antibody response. Um, get them on out of the stress state, because nothing the gut will never ever heal unless you're addressing the physical chemical and emotional stressors, all three have to be addressed effectively in order to restore that parasympathetic activity, that nerve supply to the gut, which is where, I mean, everything is is produced. This is how you live. You're only alive because that gut is allowing you to assimilate nutrients and build a healthy body. You've got to heal the gut, but you cannot heal the gut unless you're addressing all of the stressors. And this is, this is why we start when somebody comes to me with inflammatory bowel disease, which is probably about a third of the people that come to see us, Wow! we say, well, we got to take an x-ray of you. Right? Well, it's not my spine. My spine doesn't hurt. Hell, 10% of the nerves carry nociceptive firings or, or pain fibers. 90% of the nerves that exit the spine have no pain fibers. So, you know, you're really adapting this, this inflammatory bowel process. It's inflammation is a healing process, but for inflammation to start, there has to be tissue damage. So you got to fix the tissue damage first and get out of that stress state in order to allow the nerve supply to get to the gut. Then you can rebuild the gut flora.
0: So for most of us, we've came into the world, got some antibiotics squished into our eyes, we were given it when we were young. We were given it when we were middle aged. We were given it our whole life. And so there's this growing idea of how to get probiotics back in you. Um, and we've talked to people and we had an expert on, um, John Brisson, and he pointed out that you can't just go to the store and grab some probiotics off the shelf. You need to know what you're doing. All people are not the same. All these things we're saying. But does it stand to reason that if we lived in a place like, say, Tuscany, where the cheese is not pasteurized, where where there's all these kind of right ready-made foods harvested to the table, would that be an effective way to reestablish what's been damaged by overuse of antibiotics to reestablish, I don't know, what are you going to call it? The biome in your gut?
1: Yep. Yep. The microbiome. Absolutely. And it's the microbiome in the gut and on the skin. There are so many things that we put on our skin that that get into the bloodstream. Cause the skin is permeable and, and that is, you got a microflora on your skin as well. Building that microflora is the key, but you cannot have somebody with, with, you know, trauma to their body or poor sleep patterns and, and expect them to have good nerve supply to the gut. So building the gut flora is part of it, but you've got to identify the problem in the first place and inflammatory bowel diseases you they they are under stress and there's only three stressors and you address all three of those the emotional component the physical component and the and the, the chemical component then you get that person where they can reproduce the system healthy and th- that's why heck I think it, it takes about 30 to 45 days to heal the gut and I know this is impossible because um when you tell this to someone they have giant walls, doors that close on their mind. And they say, No, I've had this for years and I have the best doctor. And you'll hear this. And I'll say, Well, yeah, you don't have the second or third best doctor. They're good looking, but they're not that smart. You know, it's always the best doctor. <laughs> and the best doctor is working on a false premise that this is a disease progressing that's destroying the body. And if it's really bad, they remove the offending organ. And you can still heal the gut. Okay. If, but the more parts that are there, the better.
0: Do you feel like, you know, this is another thing. When I was young, it was rare to bump into people that were allergic to peanuts. Like when I was in school, <laughs> I don't remember any of the children dying because they touched a peanut. And I don't remember any of the children in my young school years that were uh, what they call dairy. You know, they can't have dairy. I don't Lactose know. intolerance. Yeah. They can't have dairy. Is this all the same idea going on? Why? Why are so many people allergic to peanuts and milk now?
1: An allergy is an abnormal recognition of a foreign protein. And the current medical practices with, uh, say, the average kid, they're getting seventy-two doses of seventeen different vaccines by the time they're eighteen. So we're hypersensitizing their immune system response, or their their response to those foreign proteins injected into them. That's one. The leaky gut getting undigested proteins. That's another one. And, you know, remember the old uh, song we used to sing at the 17th yeah. stretch? <laughs> Buy me some peanuts yeah. and cracker, Jack. Yeah, they got peanut free days now at the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I mean, it's, it's mind blowing that, you know, we're all the frog in that pot of water. And the heat is slowly turning up where it's now considered normal. You know, you open up a package of peanuts on a plane and they'll, you know, people are freaking out.
0: So, some of us are starting to notice the bubbles around us.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's its like what I tell people is an allergy is an abnormal recognition of a foreign protein. Now, let's say you had an allergy to penicillin and you had some jungle disease that only penicillin would work. It takes around 48 hours to reduce that allergy where you slowly introduce the protein and your immune or your body starts to get desensitized from it.
0: Now, wait wait a minute. Okay. So you, you mentioned an antibiotic there, but are you suggesting that to introduce slowly the protein would remedy? Absolutely. That's how you get
1: rid of the allergies, but first you've got to heal the gut. Okay. And you've got to deal with the stressors. I know it's, it sounds like I got Alzheimer's because I keep talking about the stressors.
0: I <laughs> you know, you know if you had Alzheimer's, you wouldn't be able to say that word.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So when you, when you look at this, these people are in a stress state and, uh, you know, one of the allergy tests they do, they do a skin prick test and they put cat dander and house dust and everything underneath. And, and usually it's the teenagers coming to me with severe allergies and I'll tell their parents, you know, with the parents sitting there and the kids sitting there, I'll say, look, do me a favor, eat McDonald's every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next week and get an allergy test. And then, and, and, and <laughs> And then wait a month, okay, and eat nothing but organic food for a couple of weeks and then get another allergy test. It'll be totally different.
0: So wait a minute. If someone's allergic to cats and they went home and gersoned for a week or just simply ate fruits and vegetables, uh, that allergy would be reduced or, or, or diminished? Well, you've got to desensitize the body's
1: response to that foreign protein. Hmm. And, and that is the key. First, you get the body healthy. Then you can start to slowly introduce those, the proteins that the body is sensitive to, but you've got to get the body healthy first. And, and so you cannot do that just by, by, by taking somebody with a a cat allergy and slowly introducing them to a cat. You've got to heal the gut. You've got to change their sleep patterns. You've got to uh, build the gut flora. You've got to, so they're getting three healthy bowel movements a day. Then, you can start to slowly introduce the proteins. Well, I used to be allergic to cats when I was younger. And uh, even though I'm pushing 50 now, I'm a lot healthier. Obviously, I don't have what you have, the mojo you have in your 20s. But as far as health-wise, I'm so much healthier now because of all the things I've done over the past 10, 15 years to become healthier. And we also have five cats. They sleep with me. It doesn't bother me in the least. (laughs) Isn't that wild? And what they'll say, what, what the medical deities will say is that, well, he might grow out of it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he
0: might. <grow. laughs> oh, those guys have an excuse for everything. six, six to one half dozen to another. <laughs> Let's play three card Monty.
1: Yeah, because the way the system is, the system is laid out for stupid. I mean, you have the gastroenterologist who is the expert in diseases of the intestinal tract, who doesn't talk to the neurologist to find out if they're in a sympathetic dominant state. Nobody is going to talk to the the uh, endocrinologist to see if they're producing a shitload of cortisol, which decreases um, blood supply and nerve supply to the gut in response to that. So there's so many things that that are disjointed and dysfunctional in the system This is why 60% of adults have a chronic illness or disease. 54% of our children have a chronic illness or disease because nobody's addressing the underlying cause because the disease
0: doesn't really exist. It's really an adaptation to the stress. In my lifetime, chiropractic in the medical industry went from a bad word to, oh, we'll tolerate these guys, to, okay, they can do what they want, but they're not real doctors, to, well, maybe some insurance will cover them, to where we are today. Do you feel like that kind of Rockefeller medicine shunning was due to how much holistic method had been held on by the people in chiropractic? Oh, absolutely. It was a group of prostitutes in the 70s that said, okay,
1: we won't be treating uh, autonomic disorders. We will... We won't be doctors of the nervous system like chiropractors traditionally have been. Where we're allowing the body, we don't fix people. We remove the interference or the adaptation, and then the body can heal itself. But they said, "Okay, look, if you guys just just treat back pain, neck pain, okay, you can you can suck from the tit of the insurance god, okay, and and that destroyed the profession. This is why eighty six percent of the chiropractic colleges aren't teaching chiropractic anymore." I mean, the philosophy instructor that I had when I was in school, his great grandmother—or no, grandmother—he was—he was in his eighties. Was Lillian Ashworth, and she had the sugar disease back in the early 1900s. Diabetes, you mean? Yeah, that's before it was called diabetes. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just so, trying to clarify. Trying to keep I, I,
1: up. I I know, and and. They were going to cut her legs off because she didn't have good blood flow to it. And She says, well, what happens when my legs get cut off? They said, well, you're going to die eventually. She said, heck with that. I'm going to die with my legs on. And this is her grandson talking to her class. And she ended up taking a two-day buggy ride over to a chiropractor. And the chiropractor says, well, your pancreas is responsible for blood sugar. We're going to adjust you. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks, blood supply returned to her legs. After a month, she was no longer had the disease, and she was so excited about not dying that she became one of the first woman chiropractors. And so chiropractic traditionally has been run by people who have had chronic illness, chronic diseases, and by getting dealing effectively with the stress and allowing the body to heal itself, to, to literally rebuild itself, the disease, or which is really an adaptation, would go away. And now it's just back pain, neck pain stuff. So it's not being taught in the schools. That's one of the reasons that, that we have such a big education process in, our, in our, both of our clinics. But we have to teach people that their body is healthy naturally. It is designed by God. It is more energy than matter. And people all of a sudden, they say, oh, that can't be true. That can't be true. This runs in my family. Okay, good. Did your great-grandparents have it? No. (laughs) Common sense, brothers, is not common.
0: So as we close out hour one and we get over to the main event, which is basically the Voldemort virus vaccine, that's three Vs. That's a lot of Vs. Would you say that the schools have gone in and done so much damage to chiropractic that that kind of holdout of people who are holistically trying to make their mark is that being destroyed or is there a resurgence in light of what's happened in the world in other words we all been smacked across the face pretty damn hard I'm guessing a lot of people woke up
1: yeah it's luckily there's it's coming back okay there's the Carrick Institute in Georgia which is just brilliant that's that's neurology to the nth degree this guy guest lectures at Harvard. Um, you're looking at Sherman college that, that is holding the line, the life colleges in, in the West and East. There's still some pockets of where um, chiropractic, which is, these are doctors of the nervous system. They're not back pain, neck pain doctors. They're not alternative doctors. Okay. Therefore, I mean, hell, if anything, I'm definitely not complimentary. I'm antagonistic. Okay. I'll throw down with any medical professional that on, on how to address uh, adaptations or how to address these, these people that uh, what they're suffering from, I would, I, you can't, you can't argue that if somebody has inflammatory bowel disease, that you're going to give them a steroid or antibiotics, this doesn't heal people that suppresses their symptoms. If, if you're talking about cholesterol drugs and blood pressure drugs to people with, with dementia, or, it, it, it just is foolishness. Okay, there's no data to back it up. It, like going into the next hour, we're going to talk about the in- insanity that they're not doing anything that helps the body break down nutrients, build a healthy body, and deal effectively with the adaptations that they call diseases.
0: All right, I'm going to wrap up hour one, uh, Doctor Bergman. We're in hour one. Do you want to give out contact? If you do that in hour one, it is possible you will be overwhelmed. Less so in hour two.
1: Oh, it absolutely. We have the YouTube site, which is John B Cairo J O H N B like boy C H I R O. We've been shadow banned. We've been had a bunch of our videos deleted. Um, so we're supposed to have seven hundred and I don't know, 25 something thousand subscribers and, and the the censorship is in full force. We have a private site, the DRB VIP site, and that one that costs $2.97 a month. And that one, we put um, the information that would not be approved by the Ministry of Truth. And we have a clinic in Huntington Beach, California, and a clinic in Tijuana, Mexico. And in Mexico, we can do a lot of detoxing IVs, nutrient IVs, and we can do things down there that we can't do in America. So um, give us a call. Uh, We also have a site, drjohnbergman.com, D-R-J-O-H-N-B-E-R-G-M-A-N.com. And uh, just get, get a hold of us. You know, we've got a couple thousand videos, I think, now. Is the situation between Mexico and the United States something that can be discussed? In this area, yeah. We've had a clinic going down there for, I think, about three years now. Did Gerson show you the way? <laughs> they were a leader, honest to God. That I, I spoke at the Cancer Control Conference a few years ago with Charlotte Gerson on the same stage. And she is just, oh my God, she was just a light, a brilliant. Yep.
0: She's like an angel.
1: Oh, gotcha. And the, the cancer uh, clinics in Mexico have been, um, a, a curing cancer and chronic diseases for decades and doing things that are not approved in America, which is foolishness. If you got something that's effective in reversing the disease, disease process, by God, they should be able to use it.
0: But carrots and apples are dangerous and everyone knows that if you give people juice from things like that, it could kill them. (laughs)
1: Do you know what happens if you put those together?
0: (laughs) What if some lettuce gets in there? changing a diet can't be that
1: big of a deal because my doctor didn't tell me. <laughs> wait, 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 nutrition. What?
0: <laughs> I, I actually heard the story straight from Charlotte down on, I think it's second street in San Diego. I don't know if I remember somewhere where we went and first met her about how they just came down like a ton of bricks within, I think it was three months of her father, Max Gerson announcing that he could cure many cancers. Oh my God. If you
1: ever get a chance to read Max Gerson's original writings, yep. he was hired by the Nazis to look at the nutrient requirements of a foot soldier, a mechanized soldier, a foot soldier in the desert, a foot soldier in the mountains. And his his detailed nutrient requirements were, I mean, brilliant. And it's literally what your body requires in which environment. And he translated that into the adaptive process that we know has disease. And, and
0: it, it works. (laughs) Well, just, just think it's one thing to be able to come up with that, but then to identify the foodstuffs in the plant kingdom that deliver exactly what is needed. Like you need watercress and you need this red tipped lettuce and you need this green pepper. He actually worked out the combinations that delivered what was required.
1: Yeah. And there, that's one of the things that. The medical system is so screwed up on, they, they call it adaptogens, where you're going to give an apple or an herb to some person, and it's going to have a different effect into in different people. Now, the medical world justifies that has side effects, which are really only effects because you give everybody a, an Advil, you're going to have kidney damage in one, bowel disorders in another, and it might have an effect of pain relief. <laughs> Right. You know? <laughs> Whereas the juicing and blending, you're getting this nutrients in the system that's pre-digested that gives you an opportunity to regenerate a healthy tissue. And that's what it is. It's your tissue producing machine. It just,
0: duh. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's wrap up hour one and get over into the main course here. Uh, the reason for this season, unfortunately. In hour two, we're going to be talking about how the Voldemort virus vaccine is supposed to work. And we're going to talk about the effects of what spike protein variants are about. We're going to talk about the doctor's thoughts on the pandemic and the importance of things like SARS-CoV-2 and blood analysis. Now, before Dr. Bergman came on, we were speaking with a colleague of his, and um, we were hearing some pretty crazy things about watching blood clot in real time. But we're going to cover all these things, and these are important things, but we've got to do it an hour or two at this point. Um, as Dr. Bergman pointed out, we are at the pitch, the fever pitch of censorship. And once you draw the ire, it is very difficult to get outside the gaze of Sauron. That brings hour one of episode 371 to a close with Jason Lindgren and Dr. Bergman. And I hope to see you all over at Crow 777 Radio dot com for hour two. That's C R R O W777radio.com. And I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.